Any comments about how one man used nothing but pure imagination to assemble a cast of characters hell-bent on saving the world or destroying it while trying are purely for entertainment purposes only. Isn't that right, Donald Trump? Uh, don't you mean Joss Whedon? Sure, him too. How many of those movies did he direct? What's that? How many of those movies did he direct? Just Trump? two. No, Trump directed them all. Just ask him, he'll tell you. <laughs> He's the best at directing. He directs everything. <laughs> They're the best. He got all of Joss Whedon's ideas first. But Joss did it just twice, right? Just the original and then... Uh, Are you talking about the Avengers? Yeah. yeah. Avengers, Avengers Age of Ultron, and Firefly. Was that an Avengers movie, Firefly? No. That was his first movie. Serenity. Not the. I mean, Serenity. I'm a fan. I'm just not very familiar. That's all I'm saying. Then you're not a fan. Well, no, I like it. <laughs> the definition of fan is to no, be familiar I, with everything. The man knows every word to Doctor Horrible. I do. And can, can be heard it. to sing it in his shower. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, if you're wondering, we are at this little thing called Weed and Con. We were here last year uh, doing our wacky stuff that we do. And this is a fan convention by, for, of, created, all about the things of the Joss Whedon universe, also known as the Whedonverse. Do I have that right? And you're Whedonites. Am I right? Is it Whedonites? Whedonites. Huh? Whedonandians. Whedonans. Whedigans. Whedigans. <laughs> Wheaties. I like it. They're Wheaties. Trekkies. I guess we Wheaties. We'll go with that. Paul, would you like my mic? I'm really loud. No, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> I, I need to hear you way down there. You are the host. Uh, welcome to the Movie Showcast, everybody. This is part of the vast and sprawling Movie Guys empire. And buddy boy, we are back in business on Blue Star. You're witnessing the mighty return of the showcast where movies and comedy collide. We bring the two together right here on our show each week with rants, sketches, previews, characters, jokes, bits, banter, special guests, and more. We are no longer every week as we... Uh, you know, we previously were for Weekly Madness, so check out the new movie show now if you want something that's weekly, also on iTunes, but also on YouTube uh, for your rundown of everything new in theaters every week. That's a 20-minute or so comedy show, all videos, so you can watch and go nuts, but for now, we'll be doing showcasts on special occasions like <laughs> this one, Weedon Con. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the official theme for Weedon Con, Paul? Did you find the actual track? <laughs> this is it, is it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is, uh, we're not in the comfy confines of our studio in Burbank, but instead across town at the Warner Center in Marriott in beautiful Woodland Hills, California. Broadcasting from the floor of Whedon Con. Proud to be back for year two of this fan fest. As I mentioned, Josh Whedon, let's go over some of the things so Bart can be caught up. Yes. Uh, Bring me up to speed. Angel, Firefly, The Avengers, Dollhouse, Cabin in the Woods, you name it, and more. Dr. Horrible we also mentioned as well. It's getting loved on right here as the fans are out and they're getting weird. I will be talking to them later in the show. We'll ask about their favorite movies. And uh, even though we've been away for a month, the show is still... You know, Paul, I've been saving up all my money since the last time we did a show cast. Unfortunately, I spent my last $45 getting into the greatest con in the world. Uh, so I won't have any money for the show cast today. Sorry. Don't worry. The show is free. Oh, still. It's a free show. Great. That goes for everybody, wherever you find it and wherever you listen to it, we don't charge. It's really a bad business model. But we encourage you to follow us on social media as well, which is also free. Why aren't we charging for that? It's the internet. You at, can't make money on the internet, can at you? At the Movie Guys on free. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, and get interactive with us. Basically, just search the Movie Guys on Yahoo, Google, or... Bing! Bing! And we come right up. I'm your host for the hardest working comedy show on the airwaves, Paul Preston, here with Adam Witt. What a crazy random happenstance. 
Bart Caius. You keep using this word. I don't think it means what you think it means. And Karen Volpe. Are you a big old robot? It's a special show, being on the road, so it's a special guest situation. Joining us all show, show long is an actor who, Weed Nights, you know, Chris Cullen and Melody McCune, who are some of the social media staffers here at WeedonCon, said Weed Nights. Weed Nights. And they, they would know. Weed Nights. I, I think Weed Nights are the ones that hang from the top of the cave, and I think uh, <laughs> Weed, the weed I, I, yeah. there's another name for the, yeah. Weed Nuns. <laughs> Uh, but weed and mites come from the bottom of the cave. No doubt yeah, you've seen our special guest here is at the end of the, the table here. He's appeared on three Weedenverse shows, wow. Angel, Dollhouse, and Firefly. It's oh Kevin Will. Hey. I had no idea. It's only three more than I've ever been on. Yeah. <laughs> How you doing, Kevin? Nobody, nobody has any idea. That's all right. No, That's I love you. I'm excited good. to find out more about this. Hey, can we interview this guy later? Let's do it. All right, cool. And Kevin, feel free to chime in throughout the show. We'll be talking about movies and whatnot. Okay. If you'd like to correct us, say, well, that's not how we did it on Angel. <laughs> it, this isn't how we did it on Angel. <laughs> Before we talk to Kevin, of course, we have... Movie previews. I do love that drop, but we're going to do something different today. Uh -oh. Normally, uh -oh. we preview movies that are coming out, but mm -hmm. today we're going to be recapping some of the summer so far movies. I love how both Karen and I got worried when Paul goes, we're doing something new. This is not good for us. <laughs> I know. It's, it's Tried and true. Last minute every yeah. week. I don't go to any restaurant I haven't been to before. That's my rule. <laughs> so he's been to one. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I love that you feel the need to say that when it clearly comes across when someone meets you. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're saving me some time now. Thank you. <laughs> uh, we're going to goof on uh, three new films in theaters right now to check out. First up, set your we weapons to snark. The galaxy needs to be guardianed again. Showtime, a-holes. <laughs> Yes. yes. It's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, the sequel that has something for everyone. Women who love Chris Pratt, men who love Zoe Saldana, kids and adults who love Baby Groot, people who have a talking raccoon fetish. Is that really a thing? That's a pretty big galaxy, Paul. You know, <laughs> Got to be inclusive. Gotcha. Let's talk about it. Adam, here we go. More galaxy is threatened, so more characters are needed to defend it. Marvel Studios, the company that set the standard for naming things, brings back all of your favorite character names in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. The first Guardians movie brought to the screen a veritable, who's that? What? Of Marvel superheroes, as it was adapted from both the Marvel comic book and critics who claimed Marvel was running out of characters. Oh, really? It should be noted that the same critics also declared Marvel Studios itself to be a non-starter because the popularity of Iron Man and Captain America couldn't match that of Batman and Superman. Oh, really? In addition to all the names you've been pronouncing wrong, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 adds dozens more names, all of which I will now list, along with some I've made up, and some Laugh Olympics contestants. <laughs> Star-Lord, Groot, Rocket Raccoon, Boo Boo Bear, Thunder Ferret, the Great Fondue, Thanos, Mantis and Manos, Ogrim Warhammer, Grape Ape, Jabberjaw, Hong Kong Fooey, Pee Wee Herman, Shrieking Violet, Ted Koppel, Captain Caveman, Ham's Bear, and Al Molinero. Sci-Fi's favorite dysfunctional family returns in an adventure that escalates the threat level from Galaxial to Universal. Although I don't think the trailer ever mentions what the threat is. Who gives a shit? Chris Pratt is back, along with Zoe Saldana, Bradley Cooper, Dave Bautista, and Vin Diesel. It's quite a group of actors. You might even call them a Pratt Pack. <laughs> okay, then I quit as your son. 
<laughs> if you want me to be the laugh track, Paul, Please. just let me know. Yeah. In what has got to be the biggest non-acting job in the history of cinema since the last Adam Sandler movie, Vin Diesel returns as the voice of Baby Groot. Here's what that sounds like. I'm Groot. Is that acting? Really? This is acting. Have I hurt you? Don't be silly. Acting! Brilliant! Thank you! Thank you! Thank you! Uh, wait a minute, let me think about this for a what? second. Now, Baby Groot did a major comic book movie franchise just introduce a baby into its storyline? Easy there, producers. This isn't the seventh season of Family Ties. This is only the second Guardians movie. There will be time for that later. I mean, they haven't even taken the franchise to Hawaii yet. Now, while running around the galaxy, a subplot involves Star-Lord trying to determine who his real father is. He seeks answers from the most trusted oracle in the universe when it comes to matters of paternity. You are the father! All right, and just who is Star-Lord's father? Well, we wouldn't want to give away any spoilers. That's the trailer's job. And who the hell are you? I'm your dad, Peter. That's impossible! I think we added that last part. <laughs> yeah. As if this wasn't already one of the great ensemble casts in cinema, the movie takes a break from making legends to welcome one as none other than Kurt, Snake Plissken, Jack Burton, Wyatt Earp, Captain Ron, Dexter Riley, Russell joins the cast after taking a year off of acting to change his name to that. That's right. Snake Plissken is Star-Lord's father. That's not funny, Plissken. Call me Snake. With Russell's recent work in the Fast and Furious franchise and Deepwater Horizon and the Hateful Eight, does this mean we're having a Russell-sance? That's not a thing. No? Well, it's a thing, just not a word. Will the galaxy be guarded? Will Star-Lord find his father? Does Baby Groot steal our hearts with his childish antics? Will there be a ton of explosions and a great soundtrack? All of these questions and more have already been answered in the trailer, so who cares? It's another Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Of course we'll go see it. Take all my money. There wasn't even supposed to be a first Guardians of the Galaxy movie to begin with. I'm there. I'm already there. I've seen it twice already. I'm going a third time now that I've talked about it. <laughs> When we clap, the segment's over. Uh, so we've all seen this. Now right? we've seen it, yeah. This is, we we saw I, this before we saw it. I have not seen it. Karen and I went and not saw it together. <laughs> what, did you, what did you see instead of that? Snatched. Oh, how was Snatched? Great. Oh, yeah? talk okay. about that next. <laughs> yeah. But it's not that I don't want to see it. I just haven't had a chance. It looks fun. Did everyone see Guardians of the Galaxy 2? It's fantastic, right? They just go yeah. do the second act. They don't even like uh, try. I mean, it's just crazy. It's just they, it's deepening these characters that are ridiculous. One of the problems Karen and I had with the first Guardians movie, and I don't want to speak for you, but I, I would think love to hear it. I can't wait to find out. Too many names of too many people. Too many names. There were a lot of names. A lot of names to keep track. A lot of ins and outs. A lot of. A lot strings, of what have yous. A lot of what have yeah. yous. I, a lot of threads to keep in the duder's head. I did not grow up a fan of comic books or a fan of the superheroes. And this was a great movie. The first Guardians was a great movie. But when I got there, I'm like, who the hell are all these people? I don't know. Batman, Spider-Man, Superman. That's what I got. Stick do with not, that. Do not go see Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. The poster alone gave me a headache. I'm like, all do right. Do not see Spotlight. There's like a whole team of reporters. You're gonna yeah, I know. This is a little... Uh, yeah, <laughs> They're all named Mike and yeah. Steve. And those guys I can keep track of. Xanadu. Yeah, every movie introduces 12 new people. <laughs> all named Tom. I can do <laughs> all <that>. named Tom. <laughs> Kevin, have you seen this? Yes. Now, remember when we talked about the first one, and you said it just seemed like James Gunn is making a career for his brother. So the second one well, kind of doubled down on that. Double, double down, yes. Yeah. Sean Gunn needs as much help as he can building his own career. So <laughs> it's he, nice that he has a brother named James. Is he the Fredo of the guns? Is that it? 
Um, not yet. Wait until he gets killed. Okay. And yeah. then, then we can official lay, lay that in. Yeah. Label on him. Yeah, absolutely. The thing about Guardians is it, it, it knows, like, there's a, there's a scene towards the end where two gods are fighting one another. Yeah. And that's where any movie could just completely go off the rails. And often does. And instead, Pac-Man reference, and that brings us right back, <laughs> and we're like, that's why, that's what you're about. So you didn't stray too far from what you're about. Is Thor one of those gods? He is not. No. Oh. He'll be see, back. I tried to include myself, you, and that's what you, happened. You will have to wait to not see Thor Ragnarok in November. <laughs> there, there's I'm a on whole it. slew of MCU movies that you can look forward to not seeing. Who are does, the two gods fighting? Does it help you if the names themselves are short as yes. well as not plentiful? Yes. Yeah. Like I said, Tom, Steve, Mike. One Bruce. Groot. 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 My favorite. Groot. Yeah. All right, well, let's uh, get on to our next film. Karen, Goldie yes. Hawn plays Shirley McLean to Amy Schumer's Goldie Hawn in oh. Snatched. Karen, let's talk about it. In Snatched, Amy Schumer plays Emily Middleton, a new type of character for Amy Schumer, until she gets dumped by her boyfriend, which is obviously an old type of character for Amy Schumer. She was all set for a romantic trip with her boyfriend to South America because apparently... Emily hasn't been following the news much. Or perhaps she has an odd definition of the term romantic. Either way, her plans for an adventurous getaway with the love of her life fall apart when, out of the blue, her boyfriend decides to break up with her because his band is going on tour and he doesn't want to miss out on having sex with a bunch of women that aren't Amy Schumer. I don't look like all the Kardashians. True. Now... Yes. He's just taken after the president who's bragged about grabbing women by the pussy. Yes. I heard it that time. I From heard. the movie and the president said. <laughs> Heartbroken but determined to make the trip happen, Emily convinces her mother, Linda, played by Goldie Hawn, to join her for some mother-daughter bonding. And with Ecuador in a different time zone, Linda's great at smart stuff and will be handy explaining the time change to Emily. There are four time zones in the United States. For instance, if you're having lunch in Chicago, it's breakfast time in California. Of course, if you're in Chicago, you wouldn't feel like breakfast if you're from California because you've just had lunch. However, those living in New York, it's dinner time while we're still eating lunch here in California. Classic Goldie. Oh, Classic. it's so adorable. And you know what you miss hearing oh. it is her eyes. They're just rolling around left to right. It's so cool. Yeah, rattling it off yeah. while being adorable. That's awesome. But as anyone who has logged onto the internet in the past five years can tell you, South America isn't quite the safest place for Americans to visit, especially for blonde Americans who happen to be blonde American women with good credit. In a heartbeat, the film goes from silly to Sicario. Kidnapped and desperate, Emily places a call to where anybody would, to Liam Neeson. Listen, I need your help, Mom, and I got kidnapped. I don't know who you are. Naturally, Emily. <laughs> Emily doesn't know Liam Neeson. <laughs> Leaving the task of saving her and Linda up to her brother, played by America's favorite dork, Ike Barinholtz. My mom and sister, they've been taken. I imagine you have a commando squad. Four underground criminals who were tried for a crime they didn't commit. Sounds like the A team. It is the A team. Is Do you have an A team? That's the best. A couple of things worth pointing out in this movie. Critics are already calling Goldie Hawn's performance in this return to the big screen overboard-esque. <laughs> also, the film is produced by Paul Feig, the writer and director of The Beat, Bridesmaids, and Ghostbusters 2016. The Heat? Mm-hmm. The Heat. Uh, Paul Feig has done so much for women on the big screen, at least as much as he's done for getting them called names on Twitter. <laughs> yes, it's Snatched. Brought to you by the Ecuador Bureau of Tourism and Travel. Hey. Moving. Bye. Bye. Moving. 
movie. Do you think Ecuador has a say in it that like they look awful? I mean, is it just you make a movie about them and they got no say in it? It was shot in Canada. I think it was shot in Hawaii. Was it shot in Hawaii? We yeah. went to a screening of this and Paul Feig was there talking and so was the director and they were saying that the locations were selected not because they made sense, but they just sort of picked an area that looked like you wouldn't want to go there. And then they sort of picked a, a place lot of where there. <laughs> you would have to go down the Amazon, right? So they needed sounds perfect. Yeah. something downstream that they could go to. So I, I don't, he even said it wouldn't make sense if you traveled this path. I haven't heard the story. Did you get a comforting hug from Paul Feig? I did. Did you cry? I cried. You like cried a on Paul Feig? So we went to see Snatched, and um, Paul Feig was there, and I am a huge Ghostbusters 2016 fan. And if you knew anything about me, that's kind of a big deal because Ghostbusters, the original, it's all we was hear about. And Ghostbusters all life was about, about for me. And so knowing he was making a movie about it really was uncomfortable. And for the entire year and a half, I was a hater, and I wanted nothing to do with it. But I had to go see it, so I went to see it alone on the opening night because I was scared, and I didn't hate it. And so then I saw it again. And I liked it more. And then I saw it nine times in the theater and loved it. <laughs> and so to me, I was so happy that he didn't do something to this movie that was so meaningful to me. So when I saw Paul Feig there that night, I never thought I'd get to talk to him. But Paul managed to get us right up there. And so he introduced me to Paul Feig. And my plan was to very calmly and intelligently, like we're being right now, say, thank you for Ghostbusters film. 2016. But that came out with a lot of crying and spitting and Hi. then like... Hi, Paul. This was another great movie. Uh, I'd like you to meet my wife. That went on for like five, ten minutes. He was very nice about it. I managed to get out. Thank you. I loved the women. And thank you for comedy, women, funny. And uh, he took a picture and gave me a kiss on the cheek. And I posted it on Twitter. And I said, oh, I met Paul Feig. And I ugly cried all over him. He responded to me and said, I made his week and thank you for what I had to say. And it made him feel great to hear that. Oh, and and cool. snatched open that week. So apparently I wow. <laughs> made his week. So Paul Feig is a super great guy. Talk to him when you meet him. He's the best. But would you expect anything less? He should have a whole con. <laughs> he, I'd go to that so hard. Well, yes. strong women is a common theme amongst Whedon Con Ooh. and Paul Feig Con. Now that's a con I would go to. An all-woman con? You know, someone patent asked pending, him, patent, patent pending, pending, patent pending. pending. They're somebody not going to let you in. <laughs> somebody asked Paul Feig if he decided to cast Don't women. Don't assume my gender. <laughs> People were asking Paul Feig if he decided to cast women because that was his thing or that's what he's known for. And he said, I cast funny people. And I thought that was pretty I've badass. said it before. Say it again. I'll say it until it's no Are longer. you sure? Because I'm within punching distance. No, no. Melissa right. McCarthy. The funniest human being on the oh, planet right now, right? right? Yeah. The woman yeah. could read the phone and book. The, and, and that's the thing too. You're remaking, you're or not remaking, but sort of a cousin remake, a re rebootish type thing of Ghostbusters. The main thing about the first one it was the f three funniest men that were walking the earth, and one of the funniest directors. That is exactly what the Ghostbusters three is. It's the three funniest people. So. And he said that it's all about the relationship, and that's what I loved about the original Ghostbusters, is people coming together <laughs> to work out something and, and make their lives better and make a dream come true and just being good at something. And that's what I loved about Ghostbusters 2016 is the women were all good at something. It wasn't about being a mom or a sister or a girlfriend. That, they agree. And so that was never the, dish, the area that we had to deal with, and I love that. And in Snatched, these two women kick 
ass and get themselves out of all sorts of situations by themselves, like a woman would if she were alone in the woods. Because you know, Ike Barinholtz certainly isn't helping, no. right? <laughs> it's like grab a damn shovel and hit somebody in the head with it. Women would do that if they were in an alley. You wouldn't go wait for some guy. Shovel to the head? Isn't that just dating? Or is that just me? That's you. That's oh, okay. your dates. You're old-fashioned old fa- that way. It's very good. I'm a bit of a traditionalist. <laughs> yeah. I get a good shovel to the head before the evening's over, and then, you know, I've done something wrong. I mean, it's wrong. how you like it as well, right? Yeah, I'm going to veer from what I've been reading on, like, you know, vegetableometer or whatever it's called. It's a good, uh, it's a good funny comedy. You like Amy Schumer. She has this penchant for ways to present shallow bachelorettes, you know, who don't do themselves any favors in a comedic way. Her, her TV show is that sketch after sketch. It's about... You know, the, the, the dummy who just has horrible dating choices or whatever, lifestyle choices. And this is another one. And she's, now they just take it to extreme lengths by putting them in a foreign country where they get in all sorts of trouble. But there's plenty of jokes. All you got to do is get out of trouble, but do it with a ton of jokes. And there's a ton. I thought it was funny. And I Shovel like to the head. Best way to get out of trouble. Karen, That's- did you uh, see the trailer for Snatched before you saw the movie? I did. And I still... Went. <laughs> that's because that's got to be one of the least funny trailers yes. I've ever seen. No, For Snatch? Have, have you seen the Baywatch trailer? Oh. No. That's jokeless. Yeah. But there's jokeless, like 17 but, Baywatch trailers now that I've seen, and a lot of the ones that we didn't review for the show actually have some pretty good lines in it. And I thought the Snatch trailer made me want to watch it. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I was so disappointed. Really? Yeah. It's much better than the trailer. Good, and a lot I'm, so, of I'm very are. glad to hear that. Well, it's probably, you know, maybe the rated R version of the, all yeah. that is more enjoyable. And but on TV, the best well, you yeah. can do. There's always the Red Band trailer. If it's an R-rated movie, the Red Band trailer is you know, going to be the, the funniest one. Uh, Joan Cusack, by the way, steals the movie. Oh, oh. that's great. So good. Does She's she welcome to steal any movie. She doesn't even have any lines. Fantastic. She's great at her job. It's fun to see that. Let's get on to our next film, taking us back to the days of Excalibur. Oh, boy. Yes, 400 AD goes 300, and Bart's going to join me to talk about it. Here we go. King Arthur, legend of the sword, sword, sword. Now, Paul, you know normally a movie about one man grabbing another man's sword wouldn't interest me all that much. Uh, But this one looks pretty good because it's actually about King Arthur and the legendary sword Excalibur. One of literature's greatest Freudian symbols comes to life when Arthur is able to pull his sword Excalibur from the Earth vagina, where his turgid father placed it. And ta-da, we have a new pope, or something. <laughs> Finally, a movie where it makes sense that everyone has a British accent. I'm looking at you, Prince of Persia. <laughs> King Arthur, they were in you're Persia. The only, you're the only one. They were Persian, yeah. not British. King, I'm looking at you, Troy. Troy. It's Greece. King Arthur is England's greatest legend. Other British heroes had bigger victories, but none did so with a name as British as Arthur. <laughs> if you get that joke, God love you. Thank you. He yeah. does. He remembers Arthur. We'll talk after the show. <laughs> Arthur puts together a team of knights to take seats at the roundest table in Christendom. Camelot. 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 It's only a model. <laughs> Amongst the knights was Sir Jared who was married to Arthur's daughter, who had performed the kingdom's noblest task, inheriting the land of his father. <laughs> from, Ar- from here, Arthur seeks revenge for his father's death and tries to assume control of the throne that is rightfully his. This will, of course, take a whole lot of slow-motion sword fighting to accomplish. While the Arthurian legend is classic fiction, it turns out King Arthur here was a real guy. The real facts have been blown out of proportion in order to make him a legend, like Ronald Reagan. 
Now, kids, this is not the movie to watch if you're trying to get out of a reading assignment for eighth grade literature. Trust me, there weren't millions and millions of soldiers fighting millions and millions of others. This was the Middle Ages. There were about 40 people total. God forbid we have hundreds of people in a battle scene when millions will do. (laughs) King Arthur is directed by Guy Ritchie, director of Snatch and Sherlock Holmes. Here, Guy Ritchie reaches peak alpha male after a career filled with dick-waving contests, exploding wood, and the name Guy Ritchie. Pretty sure you can expect a lot of men speaking with accents you can't understand. Now, save your breath and cured your parts. Hey, look, she wants a heck of two roof lights. Uh, the sign house frame furniture. And uh, scarf cushions with uh, mats and shark cover. Exactly. Snatch. Is that Brad Pitt? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Charlie Hoonan stars. Now, I had to look that up when searches for a third Hemsworth turned up nothing. Turns out he was last seen in Pacific Rim. Like that needs a lead. Leads. <laughs> You could probably have Meryl Streep and Tom Cruise in Pacific Rim, and the stars would still be robot fighting Godzillas. Yes. Say <laughs> one of Charlie Hunnam's best films. Go ahead. Nicholas Nickleby. When, which Nicholas Nickleby, and when did that come out? Yeah, and, and you saw that, and there's lots and of questions. And were you sick that day watching PBS? How'd that, how, how'd that give me the whole Ten story. Years ago, he was a younger guy. It was in theaters. Oh. Uh, but it actually was, like... I never knew Dickens wrote anything where people did interesting action-based things, but he fought for a lot, and he was, like, you know, fighting. Are you saying Nicholas Nickleby is an action movie? Kind of. He's oh. fighting injustice. You know, not with a cape or anything. Hey, Oliver's pickpocketing, so let's just calm down. Most of the time, they just sit around and talk about love or whatever, but oh. that, not, not in this one. <laughs> Nicholas Nickleby is pretty cool. No, I haven't seen Arthur. This is already coming when, right? Is this still in theaters? Still. Tank From hard. a week ago? <laughs> 14 mil and a $175 million Ooh. budget. Yeah. But they'll make goofy. it all up on they'll make it up on DVD and I mean, this will play big overseas, right? Because it's just it. that's where King Arthur's from overseas. There you go. Yeah. I'd like to see I, the I, English. I find, I find that bad movies generally don't play good anywhere. No, really. This was this was pretty bad. You I figured the Chinese it? watched everything. Yes. Wait, Kevin, you saw it? I saw it when I was just horribly, horribly bored one night. That and answers my why question. I was not. I was not tired. This ought to cure it, says... It was the last thing that was still playing. It was like 1140. It was the opening weekend. So I said, sure, let's let's give it a try. I've got an extra 1450 in my pocket. Let's go. Nice. So you didn't do 3D. Wow. It was that bad? Yeah. Really? Any exploding wood? I love exploding wood. Like uh, Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes had the best exploding wood. Yeah, no, I I, thought it would be entertaining. Do you remember um, uh, A Knight's Tale? Yeah, with uh, Richard Gere, Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger. Oh, and they sort of first night, they sort of updated like the the feel of the nights. Like it wasn't yeah. it wasn't very true to the times. That wasn't the important thing. I think the they soundtrack like, was different. They played too. Queen, like yeah, yeah, like rock and roll yeah. music. It was yeah. that was better. Well, oh. where they lost me, where I where I got worried about um, what's this one called? King Arthur. King Arthur. Uh, haven't seen King it. Of the Britons. Is in the preview. They have him doing P ninety X. To get ready for the fight. Have you noticed that? He's doing like Ty Bo, getting ready to go into battle. Super Bo, yeah. That's when I thought, you Super know what? Billy Blanks joins him in the <laughs> You may have updated it a bit too much. Yeah. You're the best around. Stop the insanity. Seriously, we didn't fight like that, right? We, this well, yeah, they fought like this back then, right? They did the whole, this is how you fought back then. Yeah. yeah. Kevin, can you confirm this? Oh, oh nice. Catch it. <laughs> Get your, no, there you go. Get you your phone. The, the script part is over. I'm glad we didn't bring our own equipment. Yeah. Oh, poor Kathy. 
Uh, Kevin, can you confirm what I thought I saw in the trailer? But I, I swear the trailer's just bananas for this movie. It might be some of the goofiest stuff currently playing. Was there like a 200-foot elephant in it? What? Yeah, uh, why is there a 200-foot elephant I'm in the back. trailer? I did I'm fall back. asleep for periods. Uh, it's got to be Merlin, right? <laughs> I, 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 I probably So literally recall. there was a 200-foot elephant in the room? I wish I had brought a, a, a big, super big gulp of cold water because I could have spilled it on myself <laughs> wow. and stayed awake through the movie. Were there any women in the movie? Uh, again, I, I fell asleep <laughs> through much of the movie. All right, enough with the new movies. <laughs> Amazing. Go uh, see Snatched is what we learned. Let's get some extended time with our guest, Kevin Will. Yes. Outside of the three Whedonverse appearances, he's also been in films like The Prestige and the TV shows like Big Love and CSI. He teaches a fantastic, one, uh, one might say transformative wow. acting class in Sherman Oaks on Monday nights called Meisner L.A. It's Kevin Will, everybody. And he's kind enough not to spill my I coffee. I just recently learned he would like to be a talk show host. That's right. That's, that's uh, well. He's a natural. This is your chance. This not is your audition. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's changed. It's changed ever okay. since this experience started. <laughs> All right. So you've been an angel and uh, dollhouse and firefly. Let's go back to the first one. Uh, angel. Angel probably was the first one of those. No, it, firefly. 1999, yes. Oh, 90, okay. Which episode? Oh, God. Do I need to know the yeah. names? I, well, I don't even know if I knew the names. I'm, someone probably will Somebody if you don't. Somebody here probably knows. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it was... Um, right, let's, uh, hold on, hold on. You don't need to look it up. You can just, I'm, I'm I, I played the character uh, called Heath that no one remembers. Oh, excellent. You were not a recurring. Everyone loves I was Heath. not a recurring. I was supposed to be a recurring on Firefly, but I found out uh, in a very uh, interesting way that they had changed their minds. When they what? were yelling, get off set? I think or? a network had changed their minds on that show. Or that there was who the hell's that? Heath? Get him out of here. No, when, when apparently uh, they changed the script and I died at the end of the episode. Oh, you got to die. That's hey, great. if Joss Whedon kills you, that's legendary status, right? I, uh, <laughs> apparently, because he murders everyone so many of his here kids. knows who I am. Unfortunately, it was off screen. It was like, where's Heath? I don't know. He died. died. He died. Yeah, apparently on that show, if the guys with the wearing the, the blue hands came up and, and uh, spoke to you, you, you just disappeared forever. That happens in real life, too. That, does it really? Yeah, stay away from the guy How with the blue hands. How would you hands. know? Because if you had seen the guys with the blue hands, you wouldn't be here. Maybe it's just a cautionary tale. Perhaps. Yeah. One your mother told you. Yes, she does. Night. When she talks me in at night. Right. Stay yes. away from men with blue hands. That was very good and advice. blue other things. Very good advice. For anyone following along, yes. Heath premiered and ended in the episode Sense and Sensitivity. Ah, that's right. That's what it was called, yes. <laughs> Season one. I released uh, everyone from prison because uh, I had touched an enchanted talking stick that made me incredibly empathetic. Okay. That's and, why they got uh, rid of you. You were touching your talking stick. Well, yes. <laughs> you couldn't no, do no. It. Back then, you couldn't do that on TV unless you were in Safe Harbor, which is after 10. I don't think it was. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I felt bad for all the people that had been jailed, and I... I opened up the doors and let them all go. It's kind of a good guy. You could look at it that way, yes. <laughs> or, now or tell really us about the character guy. of Officer from uh, Firefly. It's really... <laughs> <laughs> what was his motivation? The in-depth, in-depth uh, study that I did for that role. You had to have a whole backstory, right? Uh, yeah, the, uh, most of the preparation I did for that role was coming in to be fitted for the costume. But you got to wear a cool costume, right? Oh, that was. It was, uh, 
Some people thought it was very cool. I, I did not. Uh, it was, they literally built this entire costume just for me. It was the, the, you know, I'm on the whatever imperial ship and we're hunting these, the stars of the show down. And because um, it was the train robbery one, the train job. It is the train job. I can confirm that. Look at this. He's got all the information. <laughs> and, uh, and so they had told me this is, you know, likely a recurring role. And, and that's why we're going through the expense of making a costume that is just for you. Very, very, very form fitting. <laughs> Talk slowly. And uh, not exactly my favorite experience. Uh, one, because <laughs> why? would you want to have a form-fitting uh, costume on me? But two, I like breathing. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, I find it helpful for staying awake. Comes in hand. Women uh, never breathe in our costumes. Yeah, no, never, not allowed. And I got to come in and, and shout out some orders. And, you know, it was great. I was excited. I was, you know, um, had been out here for, I don't know, three years maybe? What was that, 2002? And, wow, they know. See, I'm mm -hmm. telling you, they and, will know. Um, You're in the right place. And I was like, hey, you know, I already got a recurring role. That's great. And then they kill me at the end of the episode. And I was like, but, but, but they said in the costume <laughs> shop that, yeah. But they want to use this costume again. <laughs> That's right. So I thought it would be great if I could get that costume to wear it here. But it's, uh, I think they burned it. I remember once in, in Chicago, <clears throat> Kevin and I met in Chicago many moons ago. I was working on the TV sh or the, the film Michael with John Travolta. I was a PA. And... Uh, I was talking to another PA who went out to a train track, like where, you know, this road meets a train track, and he just sat there all day and wrote down when the trains went by. They needed to know about when for this location shoot they were doing to right. see when the trains went by. That's like 350 bucks they paid that guy just to go and do that. <laughs> so, Which is funny because that's what you did on your own time. I yeah, just stand out there when train go by. Yeah, yeah. very excited. <laughs> Um, but they, uh, this just shows you like the money they got on this. Like they built you a costume, whatever. You're, you're dead. Okay, well, we spent however much right. crazy money on a big costume. The Hiring sets were amazing. People. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Just walking around in between. They were shots. practical sets. That's long oh, before yeah. all the green screen yeah. stuff. Yeah, like, I mean, you know, you you would have outside the window would be green screen. Uh -huh. But I mean, everything was built and and just walking through. You know, the I got to be on this huge deck of this of this, you know spaceship cool. and living uh, the dream but but they would have like like off the sides these lights you know on just twinkling lights you know just stuff to add in to the the ambiance of the whole thing and whatever angle you looked at it as you were like this is i'm on a spaceship right now now is it easier to get into a, a character of some sort you've got all this stuff around you i mean it's just got to be like i'm i'm playing like on a playground right now right so you can kind of get into the role a little bit uh maybe i mean it certainly certainly helps it doesn't detract from the experience yeah. uh you know the way i'm trained you're using uh, all your imagination anyway um but yeah, I mean, what wouldn't help is if, you know, they just made you, I can't imagine uh, working on a, a movie uh, that's just all green screen, like they have those that now that are just all computer generated and all you're looking at is a little ping pong ball. And I think that would be really This is why I think, the, I think we've had this discussion before where that is more acting yeah. if all that's in front of you is a big green square of foam. And nothing else in the room. There's nobody, no other actor. There's no other scenery. There's nothing for the actor to respond or to engage with. I think that's why when you see all like the how the Captain America movie was made, it's just three guys in a green garage 
pretending something's attacking them. That's like every eight-year-old boy's Saturday afternoon somehow. But that so humanizes these big movies now. You're like, so I could do that in my garage. I mean, if you, yeah. you know, obviously everybody writes to Captain America for that one, but I'm, it's interesting. It very much humanizes like, oh, so I could do that in my garage if I wanted to. And it makes it almost, almost, this is just me, a little silly because you realize just how silly the making of this movie is. It's just guys wearing a unitard pretending, ah, ah, and then... $3 million worth of special effects. Oh, yeah, that looks great. Well, it's not going to get any less silly when they create a talking raccoon, you know? <laughs> it's also not that different from every audition I've gone on. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah. At least you know, you're not you're, playing to a blank wall like you are in an audition. <laughs> right. But, I mean, you're talking to three different characters in this audition, yet there's one reader. Yeah. One lowly millennial giving you the stink eye. Around the room, and you've got to have a different eyeline for each one. And you need to know... Who's saying what line so you can respond to that person? You have to create them from your imagination. So, I mean, it, yeah, in, in the auditions, it's probably not having anybody, like, firing a ray gun at you that you have to react to. But, uh, but yeah, there's still a lot of imagination involved. And I guess, you know, the more you do it, the better you get. I will be reading the role of Gamora. Be careful, Star-Lord, get down. <laughs> be careful, Star-Lord, get down. I went to a, a, this again. <laughs> I went You're to a Q and A a couple of nights ago with uh, the great Carl Weathers, and, uh, and he told the story, and it's a classic story, and I'm I'm just going to tell it because I liked it so much, and I'm sharing it with everyone I see. He went to, and you'll appreciate this, Kevin. He went to the audition for Apollo Creed, and he went in the room, and he's all he's been getting ready. You know, he knows what Apollo's all about. He's fired up, and he sits down, and a guy comes in. He slunched, slunches down and making up words in the chair, and he's reading the script. With him, he's like mumbling and, and he's like reading back and forth and he do the whole scene and it gets done and the, the producers kind of look at each other like, okay, yeah, and they like talk to each other and he's getting antsy. Carl's like, you know, he, so he just blurts out, hey, you know, we get a real actor in here, I'll do this again, man, I can, I can kill this, you know? And uh, of course, he was working with the writer. Yeah. Who is Sylvester Stallone, <laughs> mumbling his way through all this stuff. Hey, but, Paolo. but you gotta think, I mean, they probably went back and said, Oh, that dude's Apollo Creed coming in saying something like that. That's how he followed it up right before he left. And so we blurted that out. I try to insult the writer every audition. <laughs> yeah. They'll take Next it. Call. They'll take the insult. Now, with three Joss Whedon shows, well, first of all, let's go back to Firefly. You're chasing down the crew. Did, so did you ever work with any of them? or you just? Uh, no, I'm just yeah. in a spaceship shouting out orders to people. <laughs> Essentially being an asshole. Did you get them all killed? Did they all die Was it on you? Your characters? Uh, uh, no, I, I, I don't think there was any great damage that I did. Um, yeah, no, I, I just got visited by these dudes at the end. After I come in and I shout some orders at everybody and, you know, get them back on the train and find those guys and whatever. Uh, then at the end of the episode, this change happened and these guys with blue hands came and, and showed me a picture of somebody. And uh, I was never seen again. This is a train robbery plot? I don't know this episode. No, this was the episode was the train the job, train and, and job. those guys. Yeah, no, that's okay. Uh, all the all the stars of the, of the show that everyone knows uh, knock over this this train, and it has I forget what it had on it. It had some some stuff that they were using as as medicine, and and it was rare and very valuable. And uh, some word comes comes up to to me on this ship, and and I'm supposed to send some guys down to handle it. But it's a, it's, since it's a space western, I guess this is the train job uh, yeah, yeah, genre no, it was, uh, uh, 
it was definitely yeah yeah the train the, the great train robbery yeah they were using that Side western robbery. thing so they're appearing on three shows did you ever brush shoulders with joss himself or no yes oh yeah oh. yes he joss uh directed the the episode of firefly that i was on the train job i didn't see him on uh dollhouse he did not direct the episode of angel but he did direct the episode of uh firefly and uh basically you know a totally cool guy really laid back uh totally easy to work with this was my third year in la and uh and so i wasn't really relaxed when i was on set i was still trying to do a really good job i want to do a good job and uh i remember doing some i think it was the last take with with the guys with the blue hands i said a line and i was like god you know I'm sorry, you know, I, let's, could we do that again? He was like, no, it's fine. I think he was just basically wanting to usher me off set as quickly as possible. Uh, but we're, yeah, we're no, he, he seemed a lot easier to work with than, than I was with my own self. Do you ever come across a director, now you teach Meisner, do you ever come across a director who's, you just like, they get it, they, they're Meisner philosophy and they sort of work with you in that vein? Or do you... Uh, because I imagine you come across directors of 100 different styles and you have your way of acting. But I don't know if there's anyone who suddenly you're like, oh, that guy knows how to work with someone trained like me. Uh, I think most of the directors that I've worked with, uh, you know, they're able to recognize uh, how to work with somebody. But it's never been uh, specified that it's like Meisner's name never comes up. They might recognize that that's how someone works and they're familiar with it and they know what it is and so they can dance with that. But it's never really been, uh, oh, you're a Meisner trained actor, okay, so I'll be this way with you. I, I think they're, they're really more concerned with, and television, man, uh, you gotta- It's fast, you gotta, right? Yeah, you got yeah, a week fast. to get this all in the can. And you're looking at multiple locations and they're building sets, especially for this episode. And, and uh, <laughs> It's, it's moving. So they don't have a lot of time to sit down and talk shop. Um, but, you know, they're more concerned with just getting what they need. And they will feed you whatever sort of, you know, little word here or there that they think is going to tweak what you just did in, in, into being more what they want. Uh, but rarely do we, do we get into Stanislavski or Meisner or or anything like that. Although obviously a director would recognize if you are uh, trained in the method because you would come in in the character. Yes. And you'd be, they'd <laughs> yes. recognize that. But yeah. Miser would be harder to recognize because that's a technique that's meant for before you act. You don't really, you don't really employ that on the set because that's an extra, kind of an exercise base. I don't know. Entirely shame, you, shame you built your own costume because you're going to die at the end of this. You, <laughs> came in, you seem prepared, but it's over for you. Kinda. I've been in character for five weeks. Like Jared Leto was in character for six months and he's in that movie for four minutes. <laughs> You know, uh, just until recently have I started to get roles that were uh, a little meatier. Um, so, Meisner... Oh, you were in the movie Meteor? I was. Okay. I was the meteor. Um, <laughs> didn't take a lot of preparation. Uh, more rolling than you would expect. A lot more rolling. I got dizzy, uh, but I got used to that. Um, so, I mean, Meisner is... is designed to get people to be just in a very, very truthful and simple place. And uh, when you have, you know, some lines where you stomp on with an attitude and bark out some orders at the people to go 
you know, send some troops down in there. There's not a lot of, you know, you, you need to be authentic and believable in that role, but it's difficult to screw that up. And uh, the more I learn about acting, the more I know that once you get trained to be yourself, once you get comfortable being yourself in front of, you know, cameras and a, and a group of people and, and you just get out of your own way of, like I said, I want to impress people, I want to do a good job, you just stop doing all that. And uh, the less you do, the better. You know, once you've allowed yourself to be yourself and everybody has their own personality, everybody has their own charisma, once you're comfortable with your own charisma, um, all you got to do is understand what world you're in, with, which, which with Joss can be pretty complicated sometimes. <laughs> Uh, He's a world builder. So, so on Dollhouse, so I'm getting my ass kicked by uh, a very diminutive lady. Got it. Okay, I'm not going to ask how this is possible. Um, but once you, once you understand your circumstances, the imaginary circumstances of the world, just don't do anything. Get out of your way. Just do very little and respond like, kind of like we are right now. Just be boring. Now, I'm kind of curious, those, those three shows kind of happen in different phases. Like, for example, uh, Angel, now that might have been all on sets, but I feel like there was some practical shooting out in the locations and stuff for Angel. I don't know what yours it, was. It was, uh, it was all on locations, but some of those locations had been, like an entire building had been turned that was just used for shooting in. Yeah. You know, it used to be some municipal part for Los Angeles. And, uh, yeah. And whereas, uh, whereas Firefly, that's all sets and everything. All now, sets. Dollhouse, that's even further along in Whedon's career. That's a very, that's a kind of a different tone of show. So, I, I, what was just the sort of difference between those, uh, in, it, compared to the difference in them as shows, really? I guess. Well, I mean, each show had their own tone. Uh, it was, it was always uh, an, uh, an aspect of tongue in cheek to it. Uh, it depends on the role that you're playing, uh, whether you are uh, the punchline, uh, which I, I think my characters almost always were. Um, and, but it, 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 there was always this level of sort of magic, like somebody had some sort of magic power to it. Angel was all about that. Uh, Dollhouse, they had these, these enhanced strength abilities and everybody had their own sort of special thing. Um, and it was largely empowering women, you know, having women be um, the, the people that kick ass and take names, which I thought was great. And uh, it, was, it was an honor to be, uh, you know, beat, had, had the, the crap beat out of me by, uh, by a young lady, <laughs> just like thoroughly trashed, <laughs> didn't, didn't even know what was hitting me. I have to go watch that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm sure you've wanted to do that a couple times yourself. Love to see that. Who beat you up? Uh, yeah, I don't know. If it's, you, not, it's not, it's uh, not, I'm trying to, the, the one on IMDb, the, the lead yeah, character. Yeah, no, I was, uh, the lead character. You said it was some tiny woman. Yeah, she was, she was yeah. very, very tiny. Again, now Bart's like just a, wanting to do that. Well, just Has sounds like a date. Begin. I don't know. That's you, you and your dating life again. Kevin Will played <laughs> getting, Jerry getting hit by shovels, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Bart, you, you're coming across great. not at all desperate. Oh, okay, got it. <laughs> she didn't even need a shovel. It was just high heels and bam. So Elijah Dushku beat you yeah. up. Yeah, okay. that's she, awesome. She beat me up. I'd let her beat me up any day. Gesundheit. As, as what so, I <laughs> So in, in Firefly, you didn't uh, see the crew, but later on you worked on Castle. So did you work with Nate Fillion then directly or no? You just keep avoiding him. I did not. Ah. 
Son of a. And he got beat up with. He got beat up by Elijah Dushku. I mean, whatever else is bonus. I think everything else is. <laughs> well, I, yeah. Gravy. I, uh, I really don't remember anything after Elijah hit me in the in the jaw. <laughs> it's probably best. Um, no, we were we were stuck on a uh, a subway car, and uh, another one of the series regulars was was on the subway car with us. But uh, Nate Fillion was was left sort of trying to help us get out of that situation from the outside. I, I, even I would say he's a handsome man. Very handsome, a man. handsome man. Very handsome man. Not gonna lie. And David Boreanaz. I don't. I don't get it. I don't. I'm secure enough in my own masculinity to admit when a man is handsome. Nate Fillion, if you're in the room, I don't think he is. Um, I, he doesn't do it. Captain for me. Hammer. Captain Hammer doesn't do it for me. What? Honestly, I, I, he always gets cast as like hunky guy, right? Yeah, he is a hunky guy. I guess. Do a setup. And uber confident. Well, he does play uber confident yeah. well, but yeah, never. He could play the tick. I think he would be a good tick. <laughs> yeah, he would be a really he good, would be tick. A good tick. Yeah, I thought Patrick Warburton did the well, did a pretty was, good. He's actually. the ideal tick. Like, yeah, he was, actually, <laughs> he was like the perfect. Tick. Hey, Kevin, let me ask you what we ask every guest who comes on the show. What is your favorite movie of all time? This is the most unfair question. Well, ever. it's because there are wrong answers. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I'm, you know. I'm fairly certain. Mr. Opinionated in the middle there <laughs> is going to have a wrong answer. For me, boy, I tell you, <sighs> any one of these would, would be, you know, a top 20, top 10 on, a, on any ever given day. Um, can I name three? You're not going to let three, me I'll go three. with three. 20, You'll allow no. three? I'll three. give you three. All right. All the President's Men. Nice. The Sting. Ooh. <sighs> and Michael Clayton. What was the last one? Oh, Michael Clayton is such a good movie. You got two of the three. Yep. So I'll let you figure out which one isn't. Which, which one doesn't fit for you? For me, All the President's Men. Is that the one about oh. Watergate? Yeah. They just talk and oh, talk about that's nothing. that's the best talking. It's all the best talking. Head scratching. And, oh. oh, no, no, no. It's, no. Not, it's not 12 Angry Men, which is all talking and great. But of those three... For me, all, all the President's Men was just boring boring boring, 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 boring. I've seen that movie so many times. I'm totally with you. It's every time it's on Turner Classic Movies a lot or AMC, one of those two. And every time I'll, I'll just watch that movie. I love the way that unfolds. It's unbelievable. You're you're technically correct. It should not work because it is all talking. But the charm in all of the talking is fantastic. Hoffman and Redford. Right? Hoffman and Redford. Okay. I'll watch Redford talk for two hours. Right? You don't even need Hoffman. Yeah. I like I like I like. <laughs> What do you make of Redford, Kev? I think he's supernatural. Uh, not supernatural. I think he's very natural. <laughs> no, he's the natural. He's supernatural he's in his own special way. He's Except the for that moment where he got cursed by the tiki they found in Hawaii, but that was supernatural. He was the natural. He's the natural. Oh, yeah. That's what I go. said. He's the natural. This is what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. The best I, there ever was. I mean, I wouldn't say, you know, he's made some movies that I think are duds, but my gosh, he's Robert Redford. Two of your favorites. Yeah. Uh, he directed one of my favorite movies, which is uh, the Malagro Beanfield War. Uh, that's just a sweet, sweet, sweet movie. Very unique. Got a heart of gold. Uh, you know, it's interesting. When you said uh, you were talking about um, uh, Travolta, it reminded me that I had a dream just the other night, and this ties in with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. This I'm going to cut you off right there, real, real quick. There's no, 
no way you can say without sounding creepy, I had a dream about you. So if that's what it's going to be, <laughs> like I had a dream about you or you were in my dream last night, no matter what comes after that, right. it's just it's creepy. creepy. I would it's like to say creepy. this is a safe space. Go ahead. <laughs> but the trust Paul nest. was Paul was not in my dream. Okay. Oh. Right. Uh, it was John I, I Travolta, that. but he had the hair back in the day, like, like Kurt Russell had his hair from back in the day in, in Guardians of the Galaxy. And this was after I had seen the movie. It's a dream so of it, mine, too. It, that had to have been what influenced Travolta's hair in my dream. Speaking of hair and all the President's Men, don't they have the greatest hair in that the movie? The greatest hair. And Alan Pakula directed another movie called uh, The Parallax View yes. with Warren Beatty. Yes. Warren Beatty has... Please, everyone look it up right now. Warren Beatty, uh, uh, <laughs> Parallax View. He has the greatest head of hair I've ever seen. I it's wish big. they have this giant flowing mane of Warren Beatty Is hair. this because I said I didn't like President's Men? Is that why you're rubbing it in oh. about the hair? Oh. Somebody's a little oh, self-conscious little, because he was involved in Watergate. A little. I hadn't... <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't noticed just how thinning your hair was until you brought it up. Oh, the oh, folks that. in the back oh, might that. not be able to see it, but up close, it's, yeah. Oh, let's go out to the house. Who's got a favorite movie of all time? Go ahead and just shout it out. And remember, there are wrong answers. Please don't say that. You will make them not talk. Oh, okay. Anything with Tom Cruise is a correct answer. Should, should no. I walk around with the microphone? Should I go mic the crowd? You want to you pull a Donahue? Yeah. Can Where I Donahue? go Donahue them? Hit me. Open Range is a fantastic really? movie. Oh, that's right. Kevin Costner, the Western. Mm-hmm. It's got this amazing shootout at the end. That's mm-hmm. the only thing I've seen from that one. Mm-hmm. Oh, you should see the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, the uh, shootout You can't go at the wrong end. with Robert Duvall. You can't go wrong. Robert you Duvall can't. and yeah, Kevin Costner most of the time, yeah. too, especially at Western. It got a lot of play because they pulled all the score out of that final shootout, and it was just extremely loud shotgun noises wow. that were jarring. You know, So it really kind of brought home the realism of how that fight would have oh, gone cool. down as opposed to something super stylized. Costner's a great director. I mean, I never saw The Postman, so I can still say that. <laughs> <laughs> I would enjoy the hell out of Postman, but it simply doesn't come into my life. There's some of those movies, like I told you, Chariots of Fire, might as well not even be a movie. That's never been on cable. Nobody's ever talked about that. What, why, why is that even an Oscar Why winner? has that never been on cable? <laughs> <laughs> I purposefully do not see Chariots of Fire because my favorite movie of all time is Raiders of a Lost Ark, oh. which I should say is best picture, but instead 1981's best picture went to Chariots of Fire. A movie nobody's ever mentioned since. And people talk about Raiders every day. <laughs> Except if they have to run in slow-mo, and then they play the theme for Chariots of Fire, and nobody even knows what that's from anymore. They just know that's what you play when you go slow-mo in any TV show right now. Can you name the composer <laughs> I of can, that music? I can, but that's the thing. When they do the yeah. Chariots of Fire, I think a lot of people go, oh, I love that Tangerine Dream music. It's Vangelis! <laughs> that's right. Vangelis. Of Blade Runner fame. That's how much you don't know about that movie. But how much I, nobody knows about that movie. You can run in slow motion to the theme of Raiders. But why would you want to? It's the beginning so exciting. Part. Well, that's dun, true. I'm just saying it works. Dun, dun, dun. Hey, Bart. Does it? You work in, in, in uh, talent and releasing and stuff like that. That music from Chariots of Fire. Yes. So Vangelis. It's never been requested to be in any commercial I've ever worked on. Well, okay. <laughs> no one has ever said, let's but, put that But in. is he making money on that still? Because, I mean, that sure. shows up. Like, I just watched a TV show a couple weeks ago, and I'm like, there it is. Yeah. And they don't even know what it's from. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it's being used in another property that isn't Chariots of Fire. That's why absolutely. Vangelis is just like, I'm out of here. He did that in Blade Runner. Nothing since. <laughs> Who else got a favorite? Imitation. Imitation of Life. One of my oh. mom's favorite movies. Oh, the original. Yeah. Not the oh, wow. not the intim- oh the inti- oh yeah you're right imitation of the imitation of life this right. yeah the fake one <laughs> yes <laughs> very the imitation very of the imitation of life is my Who favorite. Who are the lead movie. actors in that? Ooh, 
Juanita Moore. Ooh. That's right. I have never heard of this movie. What happens in this movie? TQ. <laughs> I've never seen. Imi- is it anyone Imitation of Life? No, it's it's one of my mom's favorite movies. But Does I Adam haven't know? seen it forever. There's, Do you know that? Huh? Do you know what happens in this movie? I could not tell you what the plot is. Wait, come tell it. Here, I can fill Donahue. It. I'm gonna walk to the crowd. And don't throw down any sick rhymes because I'm not <laughs> about to get up. And She's gonna throw down some sick rhymes. Absolutely. I'm gonna sit down and talk to you. So it has two storylines. This one was done in 1959. It's a remake of the 1934 version. It's much better. Um, it, the so 34 was Douglas Sirk. No, Douglas Sirk. So we're talking Cirque. about the Douglas Sirk. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it is a story of two women, one white with a daughter. Her husband died in war and another woman who is black with a mixed-race daughter. And the two women find each other, and Lana Turner plays an actress, Juanita Moore, comes in to live with her, they say not as a maid, but as an assistant, but really maid. Hmm. And um, it's the story of how the two women support each other, and as Lana gets famous, Juanita gives her life, basically, to help her raise her kids. Have that removed that immediately. That thing has been a problem all day. <laughs> raise her, raise her, you know, Lana Turner's daughter and her own daughter, but her daughter is growing up in a house with white women, not looking black. She passes as white hmm. and ultimately is rejecting her black race to wow. become white. And at one point, Troy Donahue's in a film and he's dating her thinking she's white and when, she finds, when he finds out she's black, he punches her because, you know... Because he's got the fever. Do. It's 1959. That's what we do. And yeah. so she runs away and, and has this life, and her mother comes to find her. And it's That it's sounds just, like an amazing movie, but amazing Paul, film. let's not open this up to the crowd because it's kind of a bring down. So just. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's beautiful because the set design is all these pastel colors, and the wardrobe was... Is it a Technicolor film? Technicolor, it's right? Technicolor, yeah. yeah. And the wardrobe was actually created to match the sets. That's what your Douglas Sirk was all about, right? Yeah, if you want to see a movie uh, called Far From Heaven with Julianne Moore and mm-hmm. Dennis Quaid, that's yeah, kind of what they, if you have seen that, then you know the style of a Douglas Sirk film already because they were mimicking that yeah. for that movie. It's beautiful. It's a great film. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. In film cool. class in college. That's one they show because yeah. it's so important like that and so well done. Very I cool. will put it on a list. Anyone else got a favorite movie? That I've never seen. heard of and that you can then tell me about. What's your favorite movie? As long, does it end with a big explosion? Yeah, I, don't, I don't know why you're sticking out in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know why my attention was drawn to you, but um, it has to end with a big is explosion. It, Otherwise, I don't want to hear it about it. Rabbit tests with uh, Harvey. Crystal? Yes. Big explosion. Oh, Harvey. Yeah, Harvey's got to be it, right? Yeah. <laughs> I want to thank Harvey for coming. Today. <laughs> is, is everyone else seeing her? That's a good See, question. We know Kevin. movie references. <laughs> uh, all right, well, let's take things home here with Karen. She's going to wrap up things with Karen's birthdays. This is her weekly look at the birthdays of those who make the movies. Karen, take it away. Karen's birthdays, it's time for Karen's birthdays. Karen's birthdays, it's time for Karen's birthdays. Karen's birthdays, it's time for Karen's birthdays. Let's start off our week of birthdays by wishing a very happy birthday to Miss Tina Fey, who turns 47 but can play anywhere from a comedian to a humanitarian. Tina studied at the Second City in Chicago along with us where we were at. Matter of fact, she was there uh, about three... Maybe about a year or two before we were, so we were able to see her on the main stage, which was really very cool. 
Um, and like then every night, for like a every while. night, we would go to the open sets and get to see Tina and a lot of people who went on to bigger and better things too. Um, when we were there, we also got to see Scott Adsit and we also got to see uh, Jack McBrayer was on Thirty Rock. Rachel Dratch, Rachel Dratch, of course, and Jenna Jolovitz, who writes a bunch of TV shows. All Adam of McKay, those people. That was a that was a a class well put together. It was a touched. Class. It, it was a touched class in many ways. You but, know what um, else Tina Fey is good at playing, Karen? What is that? Uh, wedding shower guest. Uh, she was at my wedding shower. <laughs> that wedding was shower odd. guest number one. Thank you. She was. Paul got a hold of my address book and did a surprise party. So he was. she was my teacher at the time. So there was Tina. Very nice about the you, whole thing. So if you're going to you. get Tina Fey to your uh, wedding shower, you got to get her early in her career. Yes. It was really <laughs> early. She hadn't done Sarah Live yet. I don't think she even thought about Sarah Live yeah, she's yet. She's not here today. Let's just make sure. She didn't come? Okay. <laughs> One thing I found interesting when I was doing research about her, she's quoted as saying on IMDb, I am obsessed with things like strippers and Playboy Playmates. I am obsessed with portraying them as how grim I think it is, but my friend Stephanie Ware, who also was on Mad TV in the same class of all these people, she did the best version of a sketch that had a stripper in it at a bachelorette party. At bachelor party. And it was cool because she was playing a stripper who had to bring her kid because the babysitter fell through. So the discomfort of that situation spoke to Tina in some way. That she was on the pole, but she also had a child there. A humanitarian, quite frankly. I have not seen this. Most strippers are. Yeah, right? Just it's just a job, her. people. Just a job yeah, like any other. Um, also, she uh, said that she came to a convention one time. Actually, she, she was on Serent Live. And she said she understood what it would be like to go to a convention because she was playing Princess Leia. And she wore the Princess Leia outfit for the sketch. And she said, you put on that costume and the wig and the nerds go bananas. People started staring at me in the hall. Extras were all over me. Background people, everyone, all of a sudden wanted to talk to me. No one noticed me up until then. It is critical for the vision in my head to tell me which Princess Leia costume. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm half, I have a guess it's the white dress. Yeah, we'll go with the original. Okay. <laughs> but that's like a nerdgasm because like Tina Fey is kind of like a sex symbol yeah. for nerds she's in very a Leah. And now she's Princess Leia. I can't nerd. handle it. It's too much. She said up till then on Serent Live it was very early in her career and no one had noticed her. Apparently ladies dress like Princess Leia. That's what we all learned today. <laughs> also, let's wish a very happy birthday to Mr. Doug Jones. Oh. Hey, Doug. Get a Doug, hug. Doug Jones, he said uh, we met him, and he is the best hugger. I don't know if you guys ever get a chance. Everyone here been hugged by Doug Jones? No? Yes. That done. Okay, yeah. He gets it done in so many ways. There's hands and hugging. And There's a lot of Doug Jones to go around. Yeah. <laughs> ah, ah, the Doug oh. hug is the best. Oh. Oh. <laughs> well, he can play anywhere from a guy hidden in all sorts of prosthetics to himself. He was himself in adaptation with Nicolas Cage, of all things. A strange movie, but he played himself. Perfect. He learned mime at school, and he joined a troupe and been doing that whole white face mime thing. And he said that he also worked as a contortionist, which I find very sexy. Mm-hmm. And he love I love on his IMDb, it says, he is a sensitive and elegant performer as Abe Sapien in Hellboy. It is an odd way to end a sentence that starts so elegant. <laughs> <laughs> but he got critical. You think that would end in James Ivory's Howard's End? No, 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 no. He also was in some music videos too. He was in Madonna's and also Marilyn Manson's, which sort of makes sense. And he's acted in over twenty-five films. He just had one out recently. Do you guys, what was that one? 
Um, I can't. Re- I didn't have oh, it he on was here. Crimson Peak. Crimson Peak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He played the creep. You know who I always think he is, but he isn't. Yes, yeah, there us. is a long, lanky dude in the cantina scene in Star Wars, and he's oh. sm- smoking on that long cigarette. I'm like, I always think for a half a second, I'm like, that's Doug. That guy does look like Doug Jones, right? You're correct. I always think I can't believe you noticed someone in the corner of the cantina and have brought and paid attention to it. He said a couple. <laughs> I surprise you every once in a while. A couple of the things that have worked for him in his career because we had him on one of our shows early on. And we asked him all sorts of questions. And he said, partially it's because he's so tall and all of his features are very long. So when they're making these magical creatures, they can make it seem even longer and skinnier. He's super skinny. And he's not claustrophobic. And that's something you don't think about because these people have to... No, <laughs> they have to put all these prosthetics and all that kind of stuff on him. And I, I had to do that once. I had to wear like a fake nose and it makes you really uncomfortable. You can't breathe through your nose and you get a little nervous. He said he's just not claustrophobic. And so he'd be waiting. To, for example, if he were to make an entrance, he'd not only be in a costume, but he might be in a little tiny closet space. So now he's in a costume in a closet space and he's just very calm. And if you've met him, you know he's very calm. And that makes sense. But, you know, uh, Bart, I love when celebrities sing. It's one of my favorite things. This is true. For those of you who have remained here throughout the entire show, um, unfortunately, those who have left will not be prepared for this. But this is going to happen to you (laughs) now that you've seen Karen in the show. People are going to come up to you on the street, and they're going to say, hey, tell me two interesting things about that Karen Volpe. Happens all the time, apparently. And the first thing you're going to say is, Karen Volpe has given men more than blue hands. (laughs) In her lifetime. That's true. Um, true. And then the other thing you need to tell people is that Karen Volpe loves when celebrities sing. I do. I, I always get a kick out of it. Especially, you know, some celebrities are great singers. Others are character-driven singers. But Mr. Doug Jones, we have him singing a little something. So we're going to throw this right at you. I bet he's a great is singer. Is it like from Hellboy? From Hellboy 2. Very nice. Barry kicks it off. That's Barry kicks it off. And then Abe joins. And Abe joins. <laughs> I can't laugh, I can't sing. Character driven. I did it all to do anything you see. I feel sad when you're sad. And Hellboy joins in. Happy birthday, Doug, and happy birthday, Tina Fey. Woo! Yeah, Doug was here at WeedCon last year. So if you were a two-timer, you got to see Doug. Uh, couldn't make it this year, so this will keep going, and he'll probably come back again. I'll hold out my hope for another hug for next year's Whedon Con. Uh, and that wraps another movie showcast, everybody. Together with the movie guys, individually we are. Follow us on Twitter at the movie guys, Facebook.com slash the movie guys, iTunes, Instagram, LinkedIn, all that crap. Thanks to Kevin Will. I hope that uh, Joss Whedon creates another show you can work on. I hope he kills you off again. I, that would be great. Especially if it were him personally. <laughs> Just jumping into a small part so I can kill you. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, thanks to Steve Schultz for his writing contributions to the show every week. And as ever, we owe everything to, to Pat, Pat Peach. Peach. And remember, you can catch our new show, cleverly titled The, the new, new Movie, movie show, show, on iTunes show. and YouTube. Uh, search The New Movie Show. It'll pop right up, and you won't be disappointed. Uh, also... Tonight, we are doing a superhero roast in track B. So all the superheroes are coming out. Track B? Uh, it, that way. It'll, all the superheroes are coming out to celebrate Wolverine's retirement. And Important. they're going to have a Comedy Central and or Friars Club, whatever you care most for, style roast. Superhero roast. It's going to be fun. It's going to get weird. At we 7 might, o'clock. Uh, yeah. yeah. And that's at 7. That's at 6.30. Oh, that gentleman. Someone said 7. 6.30. 
Okay. 6.30? Perfect. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. you. Know, uh, and it will put pieces of, pieces of that up on our YouTube page as We well. might say the word boob. <gasps> so. But only when we're talking about this joker. <laughs> Hello. After five. Sing. After five, it could get a little randy. <laughs> Um, but until next time, and until the next time, I should until say, then, make sure we, you say hi to Paul Feig. Yes, because he's super and cry nice. on him if you can. We will dust off this uh, showcast one more time. Who knows when? But till then, so long. Thank you. Everybody. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.